you know, one of the most important things to me is my family. And I had a two-year-old that, you know, we were wrestling on the ground at the time. And it was a week when I think we had six closings on the buy side of the sales side. Um, and all two-year-old boys want to do is wrestle, right? So we were wrestling That's on the it. ground. And he, yes. he put his hand on my shoulder and I remember he looked into my eyes and he said, Daddy, it's okay. And I realized, crap, like this dude sees my stress, right? He is two years old and yeah. two-year-old boys are not known for being super emotionally perceptive. You know, that's, <laughs> yeah. I would say that is not their, not their strength, but I thought, no. man, if he can see this, this isn't, this isn't working. Welcome to the Threefold Real Estate Investing Podcast. This is the podcast where you'll not only learn how you can achieve massive success in multifamily real estate investing, but also how you can simultaneously pursue great relationships with your family and a better walk with God. You can achieve financial freedom through real estate investing without sacrificing the relationships that mean the most to you. Now, here's your host, Lee Yoder. Welcome back, three full listeners. I hope you're having a great week. We've got a, uh, a great guest today I'm really excited about. Joe Huber is joining us from uh, just up the road from where I'm at here in Cincinnati. He's up in Columbus. I've uh, gotten to know Joe a little bit because we actually bought a deal from him. So uh, that's interesting now that I think about it. I don't think I've ever had a guest on uh, who, who I bought a deal from. So we'll get into that a little bit. But let me tell you a little bit about Joe, uh, what, what he does, his background. He is the founder and principal of Huber Equity Group. Joe brings more than nine years of real estate investment experience and has achieved a 100% profitable track record across 56 unique deals. Uh, not bad, 56 and 0. Uh, at Huber Equity Group, he is responsible for equity relations, uh, reviewing markets, overseeing asset management from acquisition to disposition, and directing company values and vision. Uh, Joe pushes his team to balance traditional best practices and innovative technolo technological solutions uh, to add value to every deal. He's passionate about providing accessible communities to residents value to investors and stabilize assets to the multifamily industry. Love that. That's, I would say we couldn't say it better of what we're trying to do here at threefold, just trying to follow in Joe's footsteps here. Uh, but he's also committed in, committed to stewarding well, the many gifts he has been given real estate is a tool to advance kingdom work. Joe and I definitely share that he serves on the board of a local nonprofit profit that fights against childhood neglect and trauma and share the gospel of supporting families in uh, crisis lives in Columbus with his wife, nine years and three children. So Joe, awesome stuff. Uh, yeah, you, you and I are really well aligned. That's why I'm uh, so excited to talk with you today. Thanks for joining us today, man. Yeah, Lee, thanks for having me, man. It's, uh, it's exciting to be a, be a part of what you're doing. So yeah, uh, that deal down in Cincinnati, it sounds like it's going well for you guys too. So Yeah, it is. I definitely want to get into that, Joe, because that, that, it's just really cool, like how you know how you guys found it in, in the, the state that you got it in and then what you were able to do with it kind of, I mean, I, you know, I'll never forget like the way you explained it. You're like, man, I feel like we did phase one of the repositioning. And, and it's up for, you know, somebody else to do phase two and phase three. And I, I think you were dead on about that. You were so honest about what you guys had, had done, had seen. And, and it's really worked out that way, Joe. So that, that's proved true. I really want to get into that. But first, Joe, can you take us back? Just bring the, the listeners up to speed on like, how did you get into real estate? Um, what were you doing before? What got you interested? And how'd you get started? Yeah. So I was in sales before real estate. I was selling medical equipment. Um, and I was, I thought I was going to start collecting properties, right? Single family homes here, you know, rent them, house hack, that yeah. kind of thing. Just the, the classic, you what know, made you think retirement. what made you think, um, you know, I had some friends that were kind of just starting okay. to do it. And, yeah. um, and a couple of friends that were a few years older and just starting to do it. And it seems like it was working well. So was, sure, yeah. let's do it. Let's go for it. Nice. Um, and so we had, you know, just finished paying off student loans and, you know, all of that. And I got laid off. And so it was, oh. you know, my wife and I were living really cheap at the time. She was a teacher and I was, you know, living on her salary and using mine to, to pay off debt and that kind of thing. And um, so I, I just asked her, I said, hey, I, I might not earn an income for a while, but I want to try this real estate thing. What, what do you think? 
you know, and, and at the time, my only goal was she wanted to, she wanted to stay home when we had kids. And so my only goal was to make 80 grand a year so we could stay, so she could stay home with kids. Um, and that was like, I mean, that was the, that was the fire, right? Because that was, yeah. that was like me being able to give her what she wanted out of life, you know, what she wanted for our family and all of that. And so that, that fire was just, I mean, it had to, it had to succeed. There was no other option. Yep. So, you know, started with a, a single family flip um, in that first year. And then it was three single family flips and a duplex. And then the next year was 10 deals. And the year after that was 30 deals. Um, did a lot of small multi, you know, two to 12 unit kind of deals. And then uh, in 2019, really scaled up into 100 unit plus multifamily uh, okay. deals. And um, kind of our, our you know, secret sauce, so to speak, is we find all our deals off market. So our team makes wow. a ton of cold calls nice. all across the Midwest and Southeast. Um, so, you know, right now between calls and texts, you know, our team, um, making about 150,000 calls and texts a year. Um, and so that gives us, we find a lot of deals that other people aren't, aren't looking at. And so that's kind of, uh, that's how we find deals. And so that that started with, you know, I just found this deal off market and, you know, walking around a neighborhood in Columbus. Um, and that was that first deal we bought. And I thought, I I wonder if we could scale this. And so that's ever since then, it's like, well, if it's it's still working, let's just do more of it. Right. If it ain't broke, do more of it. So, so yeah, I was going to ask you that, Joe, because that, that it does seem like that's often how it works. Is, is so many people start in single family homes and maybe small multis, and and cold calling and, and, and speaking to owners at that size is fairly common. Um, there's a lot of wholesalers out there that do that, you know, and then you can get deals from wholesalers because a lot of people are calling single family yep. owners because you know I, I guess maybe my thought there is just like so often they they need to sell for some reason, like you know if, if you get a divorce if you, if you want to move you have to you know you kind of have to sell your single family home and buy another one, but if you own an investment property, you, you don't necessarily. So it's like they, people move and trade more often so you can find those people. So you were doing that. Um, I guess just tell us real quick, Joe, like, did that work out? So, uh, you know, I just wondering that, that story, you had this burning why um, you started picking up these, these singles, these multi, you were flipping most of them, correct? But then were you building up a portfolio mm-hmm. as well? Yeah. So we, okay. our, our, our motto was flip for cash, use our cash to buy cash flow. Right. Awesome. Um, so yes. the flipping was like a job and the, the cash flow was our, you know, our, our investment. Okay, so you were doing both. Um, you're flipping we, we were doing both. both. We were doing both. Yeah. And we Love got to, to a point where we had about 80 units of scattered site multifamily, you know, nice. anywhere from two units to, to a 12 unit building. Awesome. Um, yep. And it was, it was going well, but it just became death by a thousand cuts. Right. Mm. And so one of our, you know, one of my, you know, one of the most important things to me is my family. And I had a two-year-old that, you know, we were wrestling on the ground at the time. And it was a week when I think we had six closings on the buy side of the sales wow. side. Um, and all two-year-old boys want to do is wrestle, right? So we were wrestling yeah, on the ground. It. And he, yes. he put his hand on my shoulder. And I remember he looked into my eyes and he said, yeah, daddy, it's okay. And I realized, wow. crap, like this dude sees my stress, right? He is two years old and yeah. two-year-old boys are not known for being super emotionally perceptive. You know, that's, <laughs> yeah. I would say that is not their, not their strength. And I thought, no. man, if he can see this, this isn't, this isn't working. And so I knew I had these big goals, these big dreams, but also I couldn't keep, I felt like I was trying to go hundred miles an hour on a bicycle and that's just not going to work. And so that's when it was time to, you know, we needed to reevaluate and um, sold the construction company and the property management firm and all of that to my partner um, and just decided I was going to go all in on multifamily, right? We were going to try to do hundred unit plus deals and and see, see if this cold call thing worked. And, And we, you know, we, we've made a lot of cold calls over the years. We've, kind of refined this and honed it down, but it, but it started working. So um, awesome. we started buying, you know, about a thousand units later, you know, about over three years, about a thousand units later, it's uh, we're still, still humming, doing our thing. Yeah, so. man. That's so powerful. Joe, I, I just, I appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing that story. Um, I think it's very common. You know, you, you talk about, you had this burning why and it's you and your wife. And, and so you just start, you know, hustling and it's one thing to do it when it's just you and your wife. Right. I mean, I just think about when we were young, it's like, yeah, we can go to work. We can work 10 hours a day or whatever. Like, cause 
come home. Yeah, and eat. We get exactly. the evening together. We got a, a, a meal together. We can stay up late if we want. You know, wake up early. We got the whole weekend. That's like kind of enough time for a husband and wife. You throw kids in the mix, it, it totally changed, right? Because now your kids want a ton of time. Like you said, all your two-year-old ones, yep. like, I, I don't care about it. Like, I just want to wrestle. And I want to do it every day. And I want, I want tons of your time, dad. And then you got a second kid. They want tons of your time. And then you, you still need to make time for your wife. So it, the game changes when you have kids and it changes just for so many people. Just so often, that's the, that's the turning point where people go, okay, what I've been doing is not going to work anymore. I guess, what is it about what you were doing at the time, Joe, with, hey, we're flipping, we're building um, a, a portfolio, but it's, it's kind of this small stuff. And, you know, we need to do 30 deals a year. I guess just tease that out a little bit where you're like, I can't keep doing this, even though obviously we were, we were so successful at it, Joe, it was really going well. But it, like it was requiring too much of your time to be able to be the dad and, and, and husband you want to be, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think when you're first getting started, you, you use the only resource you have, which is time, right? That's, right. that's all yep. you have. And so it's, yep. you're, everyone's on the spectrum of trading time for money or money for time, yeah. right? When you, you know, when you hire someone to mow your lawn, you're, you're trading it the other way, right? You're trading money to get back time that, that, you, that you, you know, didn't have and now you do have. Um, and so I think it was, it was really a early on, it was trading time for money because that's what we could do. And that was in the form of finding deals and, you know, the raising the funds on those deals and, and laying out the, um, the plan and all of that. And we had some huge returns, right? Like 1200 IRR, you know, returns that people think are, are bonkers, but you, <laughs> you know, buy something for a hundred grand and sell it for 350, you put minimal work into it and you do it in three months. And that, that is a crazy return, but yes. But that's still only a couple hundred grand, right? At the at the end of the day, which is which is great, but it's not, you know. Eventually, you had to, we had to start going the other way, where we're now trading money for more time, right? Trading, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. s- some rote profitability for scalability, um, and so that's what sure. it was. It was, it, you know, if we if thirty deals is off the table, how do we do five deals a year and make it as profitable or more profitable than 30, 30 deals? Um, yep. And so that was kind of what we looked at. And we looked at all the different asset classes, right? So I'm a, I'm a huge data, you know, and I, so we looked at apartments versus hotels versus office versus retail versus industrial, all of this. And what we found was the multifamily safety story is just, it's just amazing, right? Because yeah. it is such a safe investment. It's evergreen. It can't get, you know, blackberried or blockbustered. It's not like it can go <laughs> yeah. anywhere. Um, you know, anyway, depending on who you read, we're three to 7 million housing units underbuilt. And I think that comes down to, you know, the fact that blue collar labor construction, it's, it's too expensive to build. And so we can't build cost effective. And so you can yeah. only build in class A. And it's yep. just this whole story. It's not, it's not going anywhere because it's demographic and, and population trends. Yep. Um, and so from that standpoint, I thought, well, this is, you know, rents over any given 10 year period can't go down. So we've never lost investor money and we don't plan to. And so if you're going to do that, you might as well pick a really safe um, vehicle. Yes. Um, and so. Yeah, so that's kind of you know. So that, those are our this is our decision making process. We need to do less transactions. We don't want to have our goals shrink, right? We want to keep growing our goals and keep doing more stuff because, um, you know, and I think it comes down to it comes down to calling, right? I want to use the skills and gifts and talents I've been given um, and lay them at the, the foot of the throne because that's you know, I, it's every everything I've been given is a gift, right? I didn't, yeah. I didn't earn any of it. I didn't I didn't you know do any of it. It's it's all a gift, right? Yeah. Um, and so I want to use that for the kingdom, you know. So that's um. That's how, yeah, that's kind of how that that perfect storm pressure cooker led us to to multifamily. Um, It had an amazing team that was willing to to take a risk and and get after it and go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and and, 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 you know what a gift kids are, right? Too, and you want to steward that gift well, and 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 your wife, and and, you know, that's got to take priority at some point. And sometimes when you're running on the hamster wheel, 
so fast and, 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 you know, you need to do those 30 deals. And what I'm thinking too, is, is you're explaining it, Joe, is like, you know, there can be some big profits in flipping, but as soon as you stop or you take a break, it, it immediately stops. There's no, there's nothing else coming in. Right. Like that's that, that's the problem with being, you know, I think of like being self-employed, self-employed. Uh, I had a, another guy was interviewing the other day and he was talking about um, the, um, the cash flow quadrant uh, from Robert Kiyosaki and the employer and the self-employed are, are on the same side. Yeah. You probably have a lot more upside if you're self-employed, like you can make some big money, but you're still on the employment side. You're not an investor. So you still are running on the hamster wheel. And a lot of times a lot harder because you're responsible for your income when you're self-employed instead of, you know, when you're an employee, somebody else is, yeah. is responsible for making the money to pay you uh, versus if you can move into um, an investor for one, that that's ideal. Uh, you can get, you know, a lot more passive on that, but even as a business owner, put a team beside, and that's what you started talking about. Um, Joe, like getting this team involved and, and maybe structuring things in a way that you can step back and, and maybe be responsible, like we're just responsible for one part of it um, and, and use your unique gifts and talents and have a, have a business uh, that, that's running. So I, I know one thing that you spend a lot of time on is like identifying the market. Uh, wh- you know, where are we going to go? So you, you got this team now, you guys know, you know what you're doing. You know how to find good deals. You know how to underwrite them. How did you go? And, and cause I, correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, the little stuff that the flips, the, the small portfolio that was in Columbus, right? Uh, but, but as you built, now you want to go find some bigger stuff, find some right. apartment buildings, you started looking outside of Columbus. So that's a little bit different. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you identify good markets and, and, and then how the heck, you know, do you get into that market? Those things. Yeah. So, so all the, all the, the residential stuff was in Columbus. And then we, we okay. did start looking, you know, we started close to home. We started in Ohio, right? So we called mm-hmm. Columbus and then we, you know, we started working our way through Cincinnati and Indianapolis and Dayton and, and staying close to home originally. But ultimately what led us to, um, you know, the things that get us excited about markets are, are population growth, wage growth, job growth. If you have yeah. those three, you're going to have strong demand and you're going to have uh, you know, strong rental demand and strong rent growth. Um, those two are, you know, hand in hand, right? Mm-hmm. Because ultimately people move to a place with jobs right. and then employers move to a place with people mm-hmm. and then people move to a place yeah. with jobs and you're going to either cycle up in this right. kind of upward tornado or cycle down where an employer is moving so then people are moving so then other employers are moving so then people are moving. And so trying to catch that, you know, tornado upwards instead of that tornado downwards. Um, and not to say yeah. that there's not good deals to be had in those, you know, flat markets or, or even, you know, economically declining markets, there's opportunities there, right? Because yeah. whenever there's a seller that has to sell or just wants to get done, you know, just wants to get out yeah. of it, they're done owning it, whatever. I mean, that's that's where the opportunity is, but, right. but ultimately it's that tailwind that gets us excited, right? You know, it's yes. buying in markets like Nashville, it's buying in markets like, um, you know, Jacksonville, where we just sold a deal. I mean, those, when you have that kind of two, three yep. times national average population growth, that's just going to go well for a multifamily holder over any given three, four, oh, five, yeah. 10 year period. Right. You know? Yeah, I think the other side of that is operations, Joe. So, like, I feel like when you buy a, when you buy a property, you want that tailwind. I mean, I've heard people like, do you want to do you want to row downriver? Um, I, th- I think it was, I was talking about Brian Bur- Burke, and he wrote a book called The Hands Off Investor. It's really really good, and he says like you can either be rowing upriver. So if you're buying a, a declining market, you are trying to row against the current. So you can operate really well, but the current's working against you, so it's not good. You can row across a lake. And so it's just kind of steady. Maybe that's some of the Midwest markets, just nice and steady. And if you operate well and you row, you're going to make it across the lake, but you do have to work at it because there's no current. If you're rowing with the current, you know, you operate well, it's going to help, but the current's helping you as well. And I, so I, it just made me think of that as you're explaining that you get in a good you market. Know, I, I, think that's tr- I think that's true. And I think also the other thing to consider too is, I mean, that 
the cap rate differential between you know Cleveland, which is losing a, a percent a year population, or yeah. Austin, which is gaining you know two three percent a year population. We you know wherever it landed after you know post COVID. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, Austin deals were were changing in the high two caps, right? Ugh, and so you, I, know. So, I mean, it, now it's you know post COVID world looks different, but but at the same time, people in Cleveland were were selling at seven cap, right? I yep. mean, we, we looked yep. at seven and a half, eight cap, and passed on the deal. So yep. I mean, while that's true, I mean, you also there is also a substantially different cash flow situation on those deals too. Yes, and so I think it's, sure. you know, we really try to look at a deal holistically, you know, yeah. because it's not just the, the tailwind, it's the the tailwind or the headwind and the basis, right? What are you buying it at? And then, you know, where's your cash on cash going to land? But then how's that cash on cash going to grow, right? Because an 8% cash on cash in Raleigh, you know, is not the same as an 8% cash on cash in Cleveland, because no. in Cleveland, it's going to be an 8% cash on cash next year in Raleigh, it's going to be 11% because the rent growth, yep. you know, I mean, it's just a... Yep. So we try to really take a holistic view of these deals and it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of moving pieces to juggle, but oh, you know, the right, information, yeah. information has never been more accessible than it is today, right? right. For, for a thousand bucks a month, you can get CoStar and get anything you could possibly want to know about a market, about a property, about you can never go through all the data. You yeah. Know? Right. Um, and so, yeah, we, we go through the, like I said, I'm a data nerd. So once a year I export all of the data, I don't know, twice a year this year but export all the data, every market and line them up and start looking, getting feels for market, right? What's population mm-hmm. growth? What's wage growth? What's job growth? Where are the rent growth in those trends, right? Um, you know, what's occupancy in these markets? What's the new build? New build starts, what percent of, you know, inventories under construction? You know, you yeah. got a market like That's Miami important. where 10% is coming online in the next year and 10% is new starts. They're adding 20% of market share, you know, of yeah. unit count to, to the market in Miami. That's a that's just a storm that any kind of downturn and maybe that doesn't get absorbed and oh, you know, there's know. just a lot going on, yep. but you don't have that in Cleveland. Right. So it's just, a, it's sometimes it's a holistic picture sure. where you really have to look at all the, all the pieces. And it's just not, it's just not quite as simple as I think a lot of people will just plug in 3% rent growth and onto the next tab. And I just don't know that it's that simple. You know? Oh man. No. So, so true, man. There is so much to look at and uh, job growth, population growth, um, and, and how they feed off of each other. So important to look at now, like you said, I mean, you might find some markets that are just kind of stagnant. That, that's okay. But, but know that and, and know what rent growth you're going to be expecting. Also know the cap rate. So you mentioned, you know, the hotter markets, the cap rate is, is so much lower. And, and what that means to you and I, Joe, you know, as, as value add investors, when, when you add value and the cap rates that much lower, I mean, you're, you're adding millions versus hundreds of thousands with, with a higher cap rate, right? So, like you said, I mean, it's just there's so many things to consider. Um, but then I, I think but you may not know, be like, able to get the same leverage going in, you know? Because well, yep, yep, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And but then the other thing too is like, but but what cap rate are you buying at? Because you look at some of those markets and it's like, cool, yeah, Austin's a great market, everybody knows it. But am I going to buy it at you know two point eight cap? I mean, okay, like you know, there's there's some price that it doesn't make sense. Um, so there's that, and, and then like you said, I mean. The hottest markets are often the ones that the builders want to flock to and build to, to fill that need. And all of a sudden, now it's now it's it's overbuilt or whatever. So yeah, so much to look into. I, I think that's really important to to bring that to light, um, especially for passive investors that may not you know know a lot of these things. You 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 better make sure your sponsor does uh, that. You're working with somebody like Joe uh, that, that's looking into all these things. It's printing off all these reports from CoStar and going through this and picking out the market for you because. I think it's great to be a passive investor and work with someone like Joe that is doing this full time and has a team doing this full time because there are so many things that go into it. And I, I, I so much agree with you, Joe, that when you when you line up the asset classes, I mean, I love multifamily. I'm all in on multifamily just like you. I think it's always going to be here. It doesn't mean you can't lose. 
Uh, you, you pay too much for a property, you don't operate it well, you are going to lose, even though multifamily, you know, between you and I, it might be the best investment out there, but you still have to buy right. You still have to operate right. You have to finance right. Um, and, and so it, it's so important to be working with somebody like you, Joe, that, that, that knows all these things, that, that invests so much time looking at all these things because there's so much to know. And then it's changing, right? I mean, my gosh, what, this is a perfect example this year of how much things change. You, you got to constantly be uh, evaluating these things. Yeah, sure absolutely. Right. I mean, the old, the old saying is bet on the, the jacking up horse. Yeah. Right. right. Um, yeah, I, no, I, I agree. And I appreciate your, appreciate your kind words. It's, um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I mean, it, man. Um, yeah, I, well, I, I know a little bit about Joe as an operator, because like I said, I, I bought a deal from him. Um, I, I said, we were going to talk about that. So, uh, just, a, just a quick story, you know, we, um, a lot of our listeners know that we bought a 95 unit in May of this year. We actually bought that from Joe and his group. Um, they had bought it what, about like a year and a half before that, Joe, you guys own it? Yeah, about 18 months. Yeah. About 18 months. About a year and a half. Um, Joe found that deal. Um, I mean, you, you found a great deal, Joe, because you, you guys found, I mean, just in, in a lot of distress. Now I'll, I'll say a great deal, like great opportunity, uh, but a lot of work. I mean, you, you guys really, you know, bought a distressed deal that was not operating well, um, very low rents, but you know, in a lot of residents, you probably didn't want there. So, I mean, you guys really had to come in and get it cleaned up. And I mentioned at the beginning, you know, you felt like you guys really did phase one and I totally agree. Yep. Um, and then you, you sold it to us, but maybe you might just tell us a little bit about that, Joe, like what, how, a little bit of how you found it, but like why you liked it and, and then you know, what your experience was with it. Yeah. So that deal, Williams Point was a, um, it was an interesting one, right? It was, it was one of our first uh, bigger deals, you know, hundred unit esque deal. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was a learning curve for us, right? We, we hired a management company that didn't get the job done and then had to find mm -hmm. a new management company that was better, right? The, yeah. um, there were roof leaks. There was a whole building down due to, you know, the worst bed bug infestation you could possibly imagine, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. People were non-complying and then they, you know, it was, it was just a struggle all the way around, right? Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, so we had to vacate the, the whole building except for one, one resident and um, I mean, you know, just, just constant, it was constant battles, right? Roof leaks and, um, you know, trash issues, you know, just people not picking up the trash and balconies and I mean, all kinds of stuff. And so we, we really, I felt like we took it from you know, pro probably D to C, you know, we probably moved it from D class to C class yeah. um, oh, agree. and did the first, first wave of renovation, added a little amenities, you know, did a little bit in the, the leasing area and really trying to start to tell the, tell the story of why this could be a great community to live in. Um, you know, did some hallways, did a, you know, a, some nicer renovations and a handful of units and really started to show that value add story. Yep. Um, and then for us, it was time to, you know, we, we did, we executed the business plan in, in about 18 months and had to decide then, do we want to recap it or do we want to sell it? Right. And, and we, you know, we bought the deal, uh, I think it was $33,000 a door. And, mm -hmm. um, and since, I mean, anywhere, but in Cincinnati, especially that's a, that's a really, oh. know, really low purchase price. No, no, no. Um, yeah. And, and then, you know, we could, we could do really well on it, selling it and, um, and still yeah. leave a lot of meat on the bone for the next guy. You know, we for talked sure. about a win-win, right? Yes. I mean, you, you guys gave us a price that we were thrilled with and it's, you know, I was just talking offline before this, you guys are bumping rents even farther beyond what we ever would have thought possible, you know, oh, so you guys yeah. are doing great on it too. And, yep. um, and that, and that required your, your energy and your effort and your capital to come in and, right. you know, do another we heavy, heavy lift. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we brought in a $1.25 million rehab budget to, you know, do, do the rest of the CapEx. I mean, we, we did the windows, the decks, um, but we're in just a bunch of units. Like you said, there, there's yep. so much there to do, but it does, it takes a lot of capital, but we, we, we borrowed that. Um, so we, we were able to come in with, with some, some good cheap capital and, and recapitalize it, just like you said. And uh, it's so funny 
uh, it, well, it's just interesting, Joe, listening to like your experience because we've had a completely different experience with the property because you did clean it up really well. So my goodness, talking <laughs> about the, the bugs, the roof leaks, like non-compliance to trash, like I'm like, wow, we've experienced none of that. <laughs> you guys did a really good job. I mean, it, it was, I'd say, by the time we took over, I, I'd say like C plus and, and, um, and yeah, we're, we're excited. I mean, I think we're getting it to a B minus, uh, maybe a, maybe a B, um, you know, it's, it's not really a B area. So I don't know if we can call it like a, a B it's just more rural. It's, it's a nice area. It's just kind of rural. So, um, and we don't yeah. have the amenities and stuff like that, but, um, man, it, it's, it's so, so awesome. You guys really did do a great job on phase one because yeah, we, we have not had some of those really nightmare issues that you guys did because you cleaned it up. Uh, I'm glad to hear it. You know, what's so interesting is there is, it, you know, like you mentioned, it was, it's a rural, rural community. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were trying to underwrite rents, it was impossible because it is the biggest, mm-hmm. you know, 95 yes. units is the biggest one in yeah. town. And so yeah. when you're doing your traditional comp shopping, I mean, we, there was nothing, right. We could find a, a duplex that was, you know, and there's one fifty right. unit across the street and they were getting, I think seven fifty for twos at the time. And we thought, Oh, I guess seven fifty is what we can budget. I mean, I, yeah. my gut yeah. says it goes higher. But I guess we can budget 750 for twos and we'll see what happens. I think it was 760 or 759. Um, and then by the end of it, it was, I mean, I think we were getting 899, 999 for you know twos, depending on basic versus premium. And you're getting 1200 now. But you know, for us, it was on it was untested, right? He was getting yeah. 550 for twos, and we had no idea where is the ceiling. Yeah. Right? And so that yep. for us, that was we wanted to come in with this much capital because we think we can get this much out of it on the back end. And then it was, you know, there was a more of a business plan proven out. Um yep. You know, that oh, we could take that jump and then you could take the next jump. Yes. We weren't willing to go from one to three, you know, yeah. at that time. Yeah, yeah. No, I love it, man. I, yeah, I, I love uh, what you guys did. And, and obviously you did very well and, and very well for your investors because you found a property, um, you know, got in at a really good basis. Like, like, you, like you mentioned, really good, cheap price per door. But uh, I mean, gosh, a lot of people would say, well, shoot, I, I don't want to deal with those issues. Well, th- yeah, then, then you don't get the, the benefit the way, the way you and your, your team did, Joe, because you guys took on some, some serious and, and, and scary to some people issues. And, and, but that's, that's where opportunity lies. I mean, if you're but really it was learning too, I mean, you know, we're, well, we're taking on yeah. those same issues on another project and, yep. and we're more equipped for them, you know, because there we you go. handled yeah, it on yeah. this project, right. It's a, yep. it's a, you always learn. Um, yeah. And then you have another arrow on the quiver. Yep. So. Yep. Yeah. 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 And I mean, for us coming in, I mean, we, you know, we knew, we knew where, you know, a, a little bit of where you guys were. And, but I mean, it was like, Hey, I don't care how much money Joe makes like good, good for him because I see, I see the opportunity of phase two and phase three. And I, I don't really care about how much money us and our investors are going to make. And, and you said it was a totally a win-win. Um, but I, yeah, I just love that story because um, that's really kind of what, what I, what I've seen a lot in multifamily that there's so much out there. There's so much opportunity. Um, you really should have an abundance mindset. It, it shouldn't be, you know, a, a zero sum game where it's like, well, if Joe's winning, then I'm losing. No, not, not at all. I mean, Joe, you and your team won. I, we're, we're winning. I mean, if we keep doing well, like we haven't exited yet. So I'm, you know, I don't want to call the score for us. You, you guys did win. We might win, but there's plenty of opportunity for us to win. Um, Joe, let me, let me transition a little bit. I like to, um, I always like to ask at the end, if, if somebody wants to maybe do a little bit of what you've done, what, what's a key ingredient to having success as a real estate investor? You know, I think that's a great question. I been thinking about a lot with just being long-sighted, right? That over any given, I think so many people get into real estate because it's get rich quick, right? Yeah. And I, and I think it is, I think your goal, whatever you're thinking of it is far too small and your time horizon is also far too short. Yes. Right. I think if you double and triple your time horizon for where you want to go, you're going to 10 X or a hundred X what is is possible. You know, my, my only goal when I got into it was, like I said, make 80 grand a year so my wife could stay home with kids. That's what she wanted to do. And I wanted to empower her to do that. And it is, 
it's so far beyond. I never would have dreamed, you know, we've got teams doing what we're doing and, you know, a thousand units felt like, I mean, that's, that's a film possible, you yeah. know, but oh, at, at that time I thought like 10, I mean, like 10 units would be like arriving, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and it, it is it took, at that time, it, but yeah. Yeah. And it's it so much more. And then you, yep. and then you set this new goal and then you dream a little yep. bigger and all of that. But it's, you know, I think if you can bring, you know, tremendous focus and not get distracted and then do it over a really long time, you're oh, just yeah. going to be yep. better because most people yep. get, they get bored they get shiny object syndrome or they chase something else and yep. they get distracted and then they're, they're out of the game and all the skills they learned when they were right on the cusp of breakthrough never get applied. Yeah, um, good point. And I think especially in real estate, if you've got the bug, the real estate bug, then you can just stay really consistent, stay faithful, do the things that you know are going to um, grow you or going to put money in your pocket. And you do that over and over and over again and you iterate it and innovate it and do all of that. Oh, so true. Right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, man. I, I just think, I don't know who said it, Joe, Joe maybe you do, but um, the, just a quote that like m- most people, and I think this is almost everybody, they overestimate what they can do in a year. And they underestimate what they can do in three or five or 10. And I think that's so mm-hmm. true um, with real estate, especially like a lot of people, like mm-hmm. you said, they, they want to jump in and like get rich quick. They, they heard of somebody flipping a house. They heard your story. You flipped the house, made a couple hundred grand. I, I want to go do that. Well, you know, that, that was a, a point in time when, when the market was super hot. Maybe that didn't happen. But if you do stay with it, you are going to make, you are going to make good, really, really good money. You are going to do very well, but it, it, it could take a lot longer than you think. Uh, but you're probably going to, yeah, sort of much higher heights than you think if you do stick with it. But you're right, Joe. I mean, it's, it's hard to do that. I think people get shiny object syndrome. I think they also get frustrated and, and, and get, yep. you know, just give up, but um, that's really good. Well, Hey, I know um, family's important to you. We, we've talked about that throughout. Um, uh, I know you're a man of faith. Like I am. What's a key ingredient then Joe, uh, or, or maybe give us something tactical that you do while you're trying to have success in real estate. What, what are you doing to make sure you're maintaining your priorities? What are you doing to make sure you're, you know, you're, you're walking with Christ, you're honoring your wife, you're, you know, you're, you're spending time with your kids. Like, What's something you're doing to maintain your priorities, I guess? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I think it comes down to the um, the little disciplines, right? And having people in your life that, that you can say, hey, if I'm if I'm going the wrong direction, I want you to you know punch me in the throat, right? Like I, I'm giving yeah. you permission to call me out if you see see things that are that are off. Um, yeah. And also too, I mean, we have a you know my you know I talk to my wife about that a lot, right? You know, I, mm-hmm. yep. I I'm really passionate about this, right? I love this real estate thing, but also there are only two responsibilities that I have that no one else in the world can do. And that is father to those kids and husband to that, to that yeah, woman, right? Yeah, well Everything else, someone else can do it, right? This company is, it, I love it. It's great. It's not unique. There will be other people, there'll be other companies, but no one else can be um, a yep. dad to those little guys. No one else can yep. be, you know, um, a husband to her, right? And yep. so in that, um, you know, I think that that keeps me, um, keeps me, you know, focused on family. Um, and then also too, I mean, I, I saw a lot of dudes around me in my life that are, um, you know, really, really faith focused. And so now, you know, I, th- I think, you, you know, that you become like the five people you hang around with. I think that's really yes. important. Yeah. Um, but I think also too, keeping it in, in perspective, right. I mean, we have our core values on the wall behind me. Right. Um, and the first one is to who much is given much is expected. And so yeah. we've created that culture here that we are doing this and we're doing it to give, um, when I set the expectation that when we have really big years, we're, we're going to give more and I'm not going to go buy some stupid car that I really don't need. Right. I still drive yeah. the beat up old Kia with body damage um, because I, I don't care. Right. Oh, yeah. I would rather be able to give more to these, um, you know, organizations that are going to 
you know, impact the, the kingdom. Drilling right? wells are, for people in Africa like you guys are doing. Yeah, and, and, and sharing the gospel along with it, right? And then yeah, helping families yeah. in crisis and, and you know, uh, getting them plugged into churches and, and helping avoid unnecessary foster care placements and that kind of stuff. So there's two organizations we're really passionate about and, and our team knows it, right? So our culture and the people we've attracted are people that are excited about that. And so my hope and my expectation is that if I go rogue, this thing crumbles, right? Because I don't, I don't, I don't want the option to go rogue. I don't want the option to, to deviate from those values of what's really important because um, that's not who I am, you know? Yeah. If you um, go rogue, your team might just kick you off a team, Joe. I, I hope they do. It's encouraged, <laughs> right? Like I, I think they would. No, I mean, like, this I, is not, it's not about, it's not about me. Yeah. You know, it's not about us. That's it's not awesome. about our company. It's about yep. having a bigger impact. You know, it's about kingdom. That's awesome. Um, That's it's about awesome. giving, you know, there's uh, Revelation chapter four talks about the throne room of God, right? And all these elders are seated around and they, they take their crowns off and they lay it at the, the foot of the throne, right? Those crowns have all been given to them, right? They didn't earn it. It was, it was a gift. And so I, that's what we want to do. Yep. We want to take whatever yep. we've been given. Oh, I love that, man. So, yep. um, good stuff. Couldn't yeah. agree more. Well said. Well, um, one thing I like to do at the end too, um, any good book recommendations? And, and, I, and I don't do this all the time, but um, I would love if, if you got a you know, good real estate or just business book, but then anything uh, faith family? Um, you know, good, good book recommendations. I'm, so I've got a couple that, like on the, the business side of things that I have read over and over and over again. Um, yeah, never, yeah. never split the difference. Okay. Chris Voss negotiating yep. as we've been negotiating deals has been huge. Um, EOS subtraction is the book. Mm-hmm. Um, EOS is just, it gave me a framework for how to build and scale a business. Yeah, um, yeah. And then hiring we're, you know, we're currently as a leadership team going through who again, um, Jeff smart and someone else I can't remember. Um, oh, and it's good. just how it's, it's a process for hiring and um, bringing Ooh, solid people into the organization. So those okay. are those are three. Um, oh, that's good. This one's um, faith family. Man, I'm on a I'm on a C.S. Lewis kick. I'm going back through some old, you know, just C.S. Lewis stuff. Yeah, uh, I got all of So I listened. To, you know, mere, mere Christianity is, a, is an old favorite. So Love I've been that. getting a lot of getting a lot of that one lately. So no, oh, it's really good. Yeah, thank you for that, man. And hey, before I let you go, um, I was like, that's my guest. How might my listeners and I be praying for you in the coming weeks? Um, that's a great question, man. Um, you know, I would just say that uh, just just focused on what matters. Right. I mean, the, the heart, I think that's always, that's always where I'm going to, where I'm going to ask for prayer, give me the opportunity, um, you know, that just to, to be in a state of surrender and not, you know, it's because so often you could do the same actions and one is, uh, worship and the other is like self-worship, you know, it's it's idolatry, right? Um, Like in one sense, I'm, I'm building this company and I can, I can put me on the throne or I can put him on the Mm -hmm. throne. Um, and the actions day to day oftentimes don't look that different. Right. It's right. It's still doing the things, you know, it's, it's you know, getting up and, and dreaming big and, and focusing on yep. what are the priorities, where can we grow, where can we improve? Um, but it's the mindset in that. So yeah, it's a hard the heart in that. So yeah, no, I'm always going to ask for, for the heart. So. Absolutely, man. Yeah. I'd be happy to appreciate it. I appreciate it. I appreciate that as well, but yeah, we'll be praying for that. Well, good stuff, Joe. This has been so much fun, man. I've been wanting to have you on for a long time. Um, you know, it's just, it's just cool getting to know you, um, as we bought a property from you and I mean, you, you guys did a great job with it. So it was really fun learning from you today. Um, really appreciate you coming on. Appreciate it, Lee. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, right. thank we'll you. Thank you for joining us for another great episode. I hope you'll take action on what you've learned today. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider leaving Lee a five-star rating and review. And check him out on threefoldrei.com. Until next time, First Timothy 6.17.